Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Sunday on a Tuesday, Jack. For a brief period of about 25 minutes last uh, last Saturday, um, Schalke was top of the table. Until un- until Leipzig's goal on, on the Nubel era in the 83rd minute. But there was a 25-minute window where on goal difference, we were in first place. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have told you you were crazy after five match days or six match days, whatever it's been now. So um, I'm, I'm doing fantastic after that. How are you? Yeah, we, uh, we hadn't been top of the table since 2011. So that's a long time. Um, I'm doing fantastic as well. I mean, what what a result this weekend. Uh, none of us saw coming, really. I think we, the best we could have hoped for was a draw, but the way the boys came out with a 3-1 victory, really, it was 3-0 other than that error by Nubel. Um, what a performance by the guys. I mean, even the commentator talked about how it was just uh, the team just playing on another level now with under Wagner, and it was just it was great to see. Yeah, Leipzig starting the season very strong uh, under Julian Nagelsmann. Um, Top of the table up until that point, and you know to go in there on the road. Uh, obviously, you and I didn't expect to leave there with all three points, and we thought that maybe even a draw would be a touch optimistic, uh, given that you know some of our better results prior to that had come against teams that are sitting around the bottom of the table at the moment. Even though it's you know it's early in the season, but mine's Paderborns, etc. Uh, this was a much different beast to try to handle, uh, but came out of it brilliantly and. Uh, What a run that we're out at the moment. It's pretty incredible. We talked about how last podcast, how, you know, between us and Freiburg, both both clubs, you know, up in the European spots and Champions League spots, really, uh, in, the, in the table going into this game that, you know, which was more of a surprise. And um, after this weekend's results, you know, the, both the teams really are, are continuing on in this upward trend. And um, it's still yet to be determined how, you know, how the rest of the season goes. It's a long season, as we know. Uh, you got to get to Christmas break and then go up past that. But uh, both teams to a very surprising start. And uh, certainly for us, we're currently in the uh, Champions League spots. But uh, who would have thunk it, right? A, a, a performance like that against a team that was in first place at the time. Uh, we haven't done that in ages. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's obviously, as we said, it's still very early, just six match days in. And there are, what, what is it, five teams that are currently tied with 13 points? <laughs> yeah. So by no means are we <laughs> in the clear yet at all um leipzig freiburg gladbach leverkusen all level with us wolfsburg and dortmund um within a couple points as well i think maybe frankfurt is within one result two all the way down in ninth place but that's the bundesliga for you um pretty competitive up at the top right now but uh, that's i think what everyone wants to see that's why the bundesliga is a great product 
I'm sorry. All I heard you say was Schalke is above Dortmund in the table, and that <laughs> is a sa- sweet sound of victory to me right there. But again, it's early. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you can't be happier than that right there, right? Other than the victory we had this past weekend. Yeah, um, our, fr- our friends are, you know, over at Dortmund are already in crisis mode, apparently, after, you know, how excited they were after a couple of results early. <laughs> now they're talking about sacking Favre and all that. I mean, I mean yeah, I-, I think they'll be fine, but uh, definitely love how far ahead of them we are at the moment. Even, even if it's two points, it's four spots on the table, and that's always nice to see a nice gap. We still got a few uh, few games in between here now and the Revere Derby, so uh, much to much to much to get to when it gets to that point. But um, yeah, let's just get into this game real quick because it was a fun one to uh, to watch and then now to talk about. Uh, let's look at the lineups real quick with the, for the for the home squad. You know, first before we you know we get into the the home squad, I do want to mention. Um, what do you think about the the Red Bull Arena or whatever the heck they call it there? The decor around the stadium. Did you like that? Do you not like that? What, what's your opinion on that? You talking about like the big Red Bull graphics that they have all the way around the stadium? Yeah, around the field. It's it's a little cheesy, I think, but I mean, if, I don't, I, it's it's Leipzig, dude. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> nothing about them feels right to a lot of people anyway. Yeah. So I'm not gonna get too critical about that. It's just kind of what they yeah. are. Yeah, it's not it's not very traditional at all. But I mean, I I, I kind of like it. I mean, uh, for what it is, you know, it's not it's not Schalke, it's not tradition. But hey, you know, whatever floats your boat, right? Um, you know, coming into this game, it was interesting because not only were Leipzig in first place, but they had the best defense in the league. They only gave up three goals up to this game, and then obviously we doubled, we made them double that. Um, but that was that was uh, very interesting to see. And yeah, you know, they maybe not necessarily had their quote unquote A lineup, but they still had a pretty strong lineup out there. When Timo Werner's out there and Polson's out there, Forsberg's out there, you know, it's a it's a pretty strong squad. Um, but uh, let's look at the lineup here for 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 uh, Leipzig. Uh, in goal, Gulashi as always. In defense, you had Mukiele, uh, Upamecano, Orban, and Hastenberg. In the midfield, you had Haidara, who was active all game long. Uh, Deme, Sabitzer, and Forsberg, both those players, Sabitzer and Forsberg, uh, were a threat all game long as well. And then up top, you had Polson and Werner. Um, pretty, for the most part, a standard lineup, especially with the attacking options that they had. Um, as, as they mentioned in the telecast, the one thing about about, about Leipzig is they, their ability to attack all game long, and then they're never out of a game with that firepower that they have up top. Yeah, I mean they're really really strong side. There's there's names on that team sheet that pop out from back all the way to front. Um, I think maybe the interesting thing was I, I know they've played a back three at yeah. least at some. I don't know if that's what they've played almost exclusively up to this point, but at least they've done that at some point. Um, I don't know if they changed that because of the red card to Limer. Who was unavailable for this one? Because I believe he got sent off against what was it? Bremen was the, the match before, um, but they switched to a back four here, and uh, I think that ended up being uh, a very good thing for us because David Wagner had an excellent game plan for uh, how they set up, and it, it it showed, which we'll get into in a minute. Absolutely, and um, yeah, I think uh, this this team that, that that came out with is a, a very attacking team, as you said. And even even when we were up at halftime, I still thought, you know, hey, this is this is not over by any stretch. You know, with, with one goal and they're all of a sudden in it. Um, looking at our lineup, uh, in goal, obviously the captain Alexander Nubel. Um, in defense, John Joe Kenny, Benjamin Stambouli, Salif Sane, Salif Sane, excuse me, and Bastian Ochipka. In the midfield, you had uh, Weston McKinney, Omar Mascarell. 
Suat Serdar Amin Harit. And then up top, you had Guido Bergsaller with Robbie Matando. He's getting the start in this one. Uh, what, what what was your impressions when you saw his name in the, in the starting lineup? A little bit surprised just because I feel like we haven't seen a whole lot of him since we signed him from from City in, in January. Yeah. Um, and unless I'm you know just having a complete lapse of memory here, I don't really think he's made almost any appearances for us this season prior to this, or not significant minutes at least. Um, I forget if he, how many cameos he's had or whatever, but – uh, yeah, to so see him starting off was was definitely a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think the more interesting thing for me was just to see Harit Serdar Mascarell and McKinney all on the pitch at the same time. Um, something we've talked about, yes, at times is, um, you know, is it going to be like McKinney and Mascarell? Is it going to be Serdar and Mascarell? Uh, I guess I, at least for me personally, I didn't expect to see all three of them on the pitch at the same time, just because generally speaking, we set up in at least nominally a four-two-three-one with two holding midfielders, and then, you know, so far early this season, you've had Caligiuri out wide right. You've had like Ramen or somebody in that kind of vein wide left with Harit in that ten hole maybe, and then Bergstaller up top. So there's just not room for three of those midfielders of kind of the the, the type of Serdar McKinney and Mascarell. Um, but we, what we ended up seeing in this one was Wagner actually deploying at least initially in. Was essentially like a four-four-two diamond um, with McKinney and Serdar as the like left and right mid, respectively. Mascarell into like the six hole, and then uh, Harit uh, kind of in like a center attacking role behind the pair of strikers of Matando and Guido Bergstaller. So Matando not really playing like a left wing role or anything like in a four-two-three-one, but more literally in a pairing with Bergstaller up top. Yeah, and it was uh, refreshing to see him up top there, just because the speed that he brings. Um, he was able to push the defenses, unlike any, unlike Berkshire can do in his wildest dreams, or anybody else who's played who started this season, I should say. So um, it was nice to see there, and it was obvious from the beginning that you know the pressure that Chaka was putting up on there, and Matando in particular. You know, anytime they went for a long ball, they'd go for him, and he kept them honest and kept them. Uh, the the I want to say Red Bull, the RB Leipzig uh, defense in the back and 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 honest, and so it was nice to see. Um, you you really can't have more of a stark contrast between two strikers as Bergshaw no, and Matando. Just one of them with his blazing speed, the other one a little bit more physical, um, you know, better hold up play, that sort of thing. So I mean, maybe that's what Wagner was going for um, to just to, to put two people up there that can complement each other. With you know, one of them does the, the thing that the other person isn't as strong as, and just give Leipzig. Um, two different kinds of people to have to worry about, uh, but it, it it definitely seemed to work fairly well. Oh, it certainly did, and and what was evident from the beginning is um, Wagner's game plan to kind of uh, suffocate the the Leipzig offense, uh, limiting them in opportunities. Really, they hadn't didn't have many opportunities in the beginning of this one. Um, Schalke was doing really good to to snuff them out and then work on the counter, which is obviously they were intent on doing all game long and they end up having more shots than, than Leipzig in this match. But um, it wasn't really until maybe the 15th minute or so, uh, John Joe Kenny misreads the ball that was in the air, uh, goes over his head, Emil Forsberg collects it, he feeds Marcel Sabitzer, uh, he lets off a rocket of a shot, hits off the crossbar, goes past Nubel, Nubel had like no chance at that one, hits off the crossbar, hits just in front of the goal line and then Nubel collects it, rebound. Um, at first when I saw that, I thought it had crossed the line, but... Luckily, goal line technology is there, and they proved that it did not cross. But what a shot by Sabitzer in that in that instance! Yeah, phenomenal effort. And you heard uh, Kevin Hatcher 
on the commentary talking about, I think it was like six of Sabitzer's last seven goals have come from outside the box. That's definitely something that's a part of his game and something he's capable of doing. And uh, very lucky to escape that one because we started really well, honestly. The first first 10, 13 minutes or so, um, you you know, we're we're on the road in, in hostile territory against... At that point, the best team in the league from a table position. And, uh, you know, you might expect Schalke to come out a little cautious, a little scared, and that's not what we did at all. I mean, Wagner had them pressing pretty aggressively, pretty high up the pitch. And uh, it was working It was working really well because, you know, when they're setting up in a back four, you have the uh, the striker partnership of Matondo and Bergstaller that are putting pressure on both Leipzig uh, center backs. And then McKenney and Serdar... Uh, anytime the ball would come out to one of Leipzig's fullbacks, whatever side of the field that was on, either McKinney or Serdar would just like sprint and press them down immediately. You'd have Ochipka push up really high to kind of cover the space in behind, and then Sane or you know Stambouli, whoever, once again, which side of the field it was, would push up to kind of cover it as well. And I mean, there was a number of possessions that Leipzig had in the first ten minutes or so where they start to funnel the ball out wide to the sideline, and it just goes out of play. Or it's a turnover immediately. I mean, we were we were suffocating them, which was um, <laughs> awesome to see. I mean, you don't really expect that from a Nagelsmann team to have issues building possession, um, but it was it was a great approach. And it, yeah, it was it wasn't really until that like fifteen minute mark or so where um, things started to turn a little bit once they got in behind and broke through that that initial pressure a couple times. And that, that that's great that that's great that you mentioned that because I th- I think that uh, Leipzig hadn't faced a team that would pressure them as much as Schalke did pretty much all game long for just other than a few minutes uh, in the first half. Uh, Schalke any time a ball went to Leipzig, they they challenged every uh, every opportunity they could, and uh, that pressure, like you said, led to turnovers, led to uh, counters the other way, and and I don't think Leipzig were prepared for that, and really we hadn't seen that kind of pressing from Wagner's team for a sustained amount of time as we did in this game. Uh, we saw glimpses of it here and there in other games, but this game was, for the most part, it was it was sustained other than the uh, a couple-minute spell that we just talked about. It started with the Sabitzer long-distance shot. Um, that seemed today's Schalke like a, like a, like a boxer um, weary on the ropes or what, whatnot. Um, moments later, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, Leipzig came back. Uh, Nubel was forced to make a double save first on Emil Forsberg and then on Sabitzer on the rebound. Both opportunities I thought could have been a goal, but what 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 saves by Nubel? Oh yeah, phenomenal double save. Uh, and if either the initial Sabitzer chance from a, like, like you know two minutes prior had gone in, or if one of these two had gone in, you know maybe we're talking about a completely different match because the momentum would have been totally different at that point if if Leipzig had grabbed an early goal. But um, yeah, I mean Nubel. Brilliant. I mean, really, really bailed this out there. Uh, I think it was Werner picked it up, was kind of coming in on the left-hand side a little bit, and Kenny and Stan Bully both kind of jumped out and tried to stop him. And they, they, I think Stan Bully maybe overcommitted a little bit. He did this a couple times in this game. He, he would really push out high and try to, like, cut something off. Um, and Werner was able to get around it. And play it right into uh, to Forsberg, who I, I thought was probably going to finish near post, and, and Nubel is able to get down and, and stop that. And it, it unfortunately bounces right out to Zabitzer, who is completely unmarked on the opposite side of the box, on the right hand side. And the ball kind of pops up, and he goes for just like an absolute vicious volley. He doesn't really try to place it; he just kind of hits it hard. And luckily, 
uh, Newble is able to get up real quickly, sprint across the side, make himself big, and gets in the way of it, and uh, prevents what I, I mean, I thought both occasions where it was going to be a goal. I thought, I mean, I thought that, you know, Forsberg was going to yeah. finish it, and then I, I thought that Sabitzer could finish it as well, and we somehow got out of that. But um, overall, I mean, that's just, that's just the quality of Leipzig. I didn't think there was all that much that we did that badly on that play. Like I said, maybe the only thing was just that you don't need Stambouli and Kenny at the same time popping out and putting that much pressure because if you get, if you get, you know, beat on that, then you're very exposed. Um, the only other thing would maybe, maybe Serdar, I think was just kind of jogging back and was watching that ball into Forsberg and didn't attempt to run across the box to cover Sabitz or anything for a rebound. He just, I think he was expecting Forsberg to score potentially um, a little bit too much ball watching on that for me, but I don't even know if he would have been able to get there anyway. So, um, like I said, overall, just just lucky to avoid it, but Nubel, phenomenal work from him. Yeah, the great wall of Gelsenkirchen coming up big, a, 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 co- a term coined by us. Um, yeah, he, he came up big in, in that game, in, in, in that instance in particular, but also throughout the game. Um, he ended up being my man of the match, but we'll, you know, we'll get to that later on. Um Schalke began to like ride itself after that. And after that, after that was double saved by Nubel, they almost seemed reinvigorated and and started taking control back of the game. And it was uh, both teams were really you know swapping opportunities back and forth in the first half. Um, after this moment, um, John Joe Kenny had a good attempt uh, down in the box as a scramble. He took a shot on Golashi, but Golashi made a save around the 20th minute or so. Um, moments later, Poulsen found Werner, uh, but Salif Sane. Um, we talked about a couple podcasts ago how he's he's the best defender for Schalke at the moment. And, and in this game in particular, he made some timely saves, uh, in particular in this one where Werner was either, either going for a shot or a, or a pass. Either way, Sané snuffed it out and, and, and got it out of bounds. So um, the big man coming up big, uh, no pun intended, uh, in this one. Uh, what would you make of Sané's performance, not only in, the, in that instance, but in the game overall? You know, he was excellent today, uh, absolutely. And, and that, that play in particular you just mentioned with Werner, um, it was a great ball in to find him. And it looked like he was trying to maybe place that back post. And yeah, Zane just got down and, and was able to come up with a phenomenal block to keep that from going on target. Um, and now, I mean, like I said, that was, just, that was just one example of the work he put in in this one. Very pleased with, uh, with him today. I mean, obviously pleased with the whole team performance in general. Um, but, yeah, he, he was – he was massive, and if he can continue that that kind of form, um, that's going to be huge. Because when we signed him, that's that's the kind of player we thought we were getting—a guy that um, could have an impact uh, on set pieces offensively, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but also, just you know, one of the better defenders in the league, and uh, definitely looked that part in this one. And speaking of one of the you know one of the better performances or better players in in the league or at, at least for Shaka's perspective, uh, me and Harit he started to grow more and more to the game and you know as the game went on starting around the twentieth minute or so, he started getting more of the ball and started going and taking on guys more one on one one on two, um, and, you know if around the twenty eighth minute or so uh, the ball ends up finding Burksaller in the corner, Burksaller has been more on the wings lately as of late the last couple of games which is fine because he's been doing well. Uh, he ended up earning a very important corner kick in this one uh, because it's it would it would lead to the the goal that you you just alluded to, uh, Bastian Chipka because Kalajiri not in the lineup, Bastian Chipka will be taking all the free uh, all the corner kicks in this one for the most part. Um, he swung it in near post. Um, Mascarell was there. He kept he headed it on backwards to the back post. Salif Sane standing there, pounds it in the back of the net past Gulashi. Um, an obvious set play. On, on a set piece, one uh, nothing Shaka. What a goal from from Shaka! It, it looked like it's something out of a out of a training ground move. 
Yeah, it certainly seemed rehearsed to some extent with uh, Mascarell taking up that near post position and then excellent flick on it. I mean, it's one of those things, even if you get in those positions, the execution of that is going to be lacking a lot. Um, just because it's, it's one of those things that's really difficult to pull off. But that particular time it went off without a hitch is a great flick on header from Mascarell back. And then Sané just rose up and, and headed hard and low into that, that bottom left corner. Um, and is that... Second or third goal from second goal, I think from Sane this season. Second, I think. Yeah, but I mean, this is what we talked about. If he can start doing that every once in a while, um, and I'm not expecting him to be, you know, Naldo from a couple seasons ago <laughs> at all. I mean, but like if he can get, you know, a few of those, or really become a threat where people really, really have to pay attention because I don't think he was that enough last year. Um, that's going to be huge. I mean, it, what we're seeing so far in terms of our goal scoring is there's been a lot of different contributors. There's been contributors from the midfield. Cause obviously we, you know, we've talked at length about Berkshire not scoring. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't change that streak today, but I mean, in, anytime you can get somebody else popping up with a goal here and there, it, it's huge. And it's, it helps these matches and um, phenomenal offensive start for Sané this season. Yeah. And then excellent to see, uh, to get a, us to get a, a lead on the road, especially against a team. It was, you know, like, like Leipzig. Uh, so up one, nothing. And we're, we're sitting pretty pretty at this moment. Pretty pretty, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, maybe five minutes after the goal, um, Yusuf Polson, he he can be a very dynamic and very special player when he wants to. It seems like he has to be in the mood for it. Uh, in the thirty third minute, he had some fancy footwork in the six yard box. Um, looked like he was going to take a shot, but Mascarell comes out of nowhere, makes a great stop to uh, whether it was a shot or a pass there. Mascarell, you know, not only did he set, the, set up the goal previously with that flick-on header, but it makes a great defensive stop here. And I thought overall he actually had a pretty good game. It may have been his best game of the season. Uh, very much agree with you on that, first of all. I think that David Wagner has revitalized him to some extent. Not in terms of, like, him recapturing form that he had at Schalke ever. Right. But more, more just in terms of, like, I think we're finally beginning to see what other teams at times have seen in him in the past, whether it's Frankfurt or whatever. Um, and very effective today. Uh, yeah, as you said, on, on both ends, both ends of the pitch. Uh, yeah, Polson's interesting. I mean, obviously, he's he's a very large striker, and every once in a while, though, he'll he'll do something with the ball at his feet that just looks wrong for a guy that large to be able to do with that kind of trickery. Yeah. Um, and that was a great example. I actually thought when I watched that live that Nubel had saved that, but on the replay, they show you that it was, it was Mascarell that came in with a very timely uh, interception there to keep that one out. I, I am with you there. Um, I thought Nubel had made the save originally, and I was like, oh, what a great save. Then I see the replay, and you, you can see Mascarell uh, is the one who makes a, the, the big stop there. And, yeah, Yusuf Bolson, you know, we talked about the skill there, and it's no wonder with that kind of footwork. Uh, many people, when he first came into the league, everyone was saying he is a Danish uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, obviously with the same size and comparable uh, skill set with the feet. So Some um, longer hair as well. Some longer hair. Well, I don't know. They're, right now they're probably about the same. <laughs> I, mean, uh, he, I mean, compared to the average person. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, good stop there by, by Mascarell and really good team defense. The team has really been really well organized defensively, as we've mentioned, uh, under Wagner, which has been a plus from the beginning of the season. And now the offensive game is starting to come around, which is, which is excellent to see because we're not used to this in the last couple of years. Um, and listen, I mean, after the, the double save from Nubel and that chance and the, the first Sabitzer one, that was mostly it. Yeah, that Polson play was I probably mean, the last play of the game, really, other than we'll talk about it later. But I, yeah. think I think their XG kind of like 
peaked at that point. He just sort of flatlined after that. I mean, like they they didn't really create a whole lot of chances of significance after that moment. So that was, I mean, yeah, and you're you're not going to go through a game against a team like Leipzig and have them, you know, have have no chances to score. But like they're they're going they're going to get a couple. But we found a way to weather those storms, and uh, overall, just a really dominant performance on the day. In, like in all areas of the pitch, I thought I thought we did we did it was it was a complete surprise to me. I mean, like I said, I didn't I didn't expect this at all. Um, but this was a test that I think gives you a lot of confidence. Um, we, we, we talked initially about how, you know, we need to perform against the teams at the bottom of the table if we're serious about being a big team. And we did that, but then like, you know, this is a completely Paderborn is not Leipzig. They're just not. And so for us to come out and then put in, you know, similarly convincing performance against Leipzig is, I mean, yeah, it just, it was a total surprise, but it's, it's awesome and bodes very well for, for what's going to happen the rest of the season. I think, especially under David Wagner's system, uh, good defense leads to good offense, and the offense definitely t- tends to get gain more confidence. Um, not only that, they, the confidence in that the defense is going to be doing wor- doing well, but they're going to have plenty of opportunities offensively. And um, really, in the 39th minute, uh, we saw Matando, you know, him and McKenney obviously getting getting on really well together on the pitch. Uh, he did a long pass to McKenney, which is a little too far, I thought, in the beginning, but. Uh, McKinney, the bulldog, doesn't give up on it. Fights, fights Willie Orban. I mean, it was. I love that the referee let them go because they both were to like, check each other with shoulders and take each other on the ground. Both get up and keep fighting for the ball. McKinney ends up getting the ball. Um, he gives it to Harit in the box, and he gets taken down by Haidara. Uh, no call by the ref initially, uh, but about a minute later or so, it was a while. VAR did jump in and, and ask the referee to take a second look <laughs> after it felt like what ten minutes or so. Um, a penalty was finally awarded, uh, and and what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, did you think? I mean, did you think it was a a good penalty? Because we know Nagelsmann was complaining after the game that you know it was a BS call. Da 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 da. What were your thoughts? So first of all, I completely agree with you in in saying that you were pleased to see uh, Manuel Grefa, the the official in this one, uh, letting that contact between Orban and McKenny go. Um, those are both. Big boys, they can take care of themselves. They don't need to be protected by the whistle. And yeah, that, that was just two guys going at it and trying to make a great play. I mean, it was very entertaining to watch. And once again, that's why that's one of the reasons you love McKenny is because of plays like that, which are not plays that are going to score uh, show up on the stat sheet necessarily, but you know, very important play. Where if he doesn't put in that kind of effort and if he gives up on that play, which a lot of other people would, that penalty doesn't happen. Plain and simple, because he's the one that he, he wins the ball and then plays it back into the feet of Harit. So um, I think McKenney deserves a lot of credit for us getting the second goal. But, um, I mean, to the decision itself, when I watched it live, I was not convinced it was a penalty at all because it looked like Harit went down a little bit unnaturally or right. a little suddenly. Um, and then <laughs> after seeing the replays, this was, this was going to VAR um, as he was reviewing it, um, it kind of depended on the angle. How I felt about—I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is there, there was definite contact. Harit tries to kind of juke by a defender. I forget which one you said it was. Hydara, um, was it okay? Um, and he catches Harit's leg, and you could say that he got tripped. It just to me, it looked like from certain angles that Harit kind of went down pretty aggressively the second he felt that contact. And then there was an angle or two where it looked like he legitimately got tripped or kind of like stepped on. And so maybe Harit falls down because he actually was tripped or because of like, you know, maybe, you know, the pain of the studs hitting his foot, whatever it was. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's Once again, it's one of those ones where if it hadn't been given, I don't think I would have been that upset about it. 
Um, but at the same time, uh, I mean, from the Leip- Leipzig perspective, I think if you don't want a penalty to be called, don't make contact with him in the box like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Grafa ultimately gives the penalty and it was kind of funny. You could see like he, he took a while looking at it and when he, when he, uh, when he finally turned around and gave it, he just kind of like shrugged. And he's like, well, whatever. Yeah. He was kind of like, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it was kind of like he was saying like, yeah, I guess, I mean, eh. the contact was there. Like it, it, was, it was pretty funny. Um, I tend to like Manuel Grafe overall. I've talked about this before. Dennis Eitekin is the other giant referee in the league because the two of them are just massive, massive people. They're super tall, like super large people. Um, Eitekin I tend to hate. I just don't like the way he calls games at all. Grafe I'm a much bigger fan of, and it's not just because he gave us a penalty here. But um, it's stuff like that, like the contact between Orban and McKinney that he lets go. I mean, it just the game flows better. There's not as many ticky-tacky fouls called and cards given out, that sort of thing. But huge decision in the match because – that allows uh, Harit to step up and uh, beats Galashi to his left, puts us two up um, against Leipzig. So, I mean, there, there's a couple different things that went away. Like we said earlier, I mean, if, if one of those early chances from Leipzig had gone in, could be a totally different game. And then if this isn't given, we don't have the cushion that maybe we need to play with as much confidence in the second half. And uh, very fortunate. But, um, I mean, Richard, I mean, how do you feel about Harit right now taking that penalty with authority? I mean, the guy is just in the zone. He is in the zone, and he he had an interview last week after the game. He said, you know, hey, you know what? I feel good at the moment. I just hope the confidence continues because I feel like a very confident player and I can do anything I want right now. And you can see it in the in that penalty. No one was going to stop that penalty. I mean, Galashi guessed correctly, but he didn't even come close to saving it. So, I mean, Harit is playing on another level, and you like to see him with that confidence stepping up, saying, you know, this is my shot. I'm going to take it. And he should because he's right now the he's been leading the team uh, offensively, both in goals and assists. So, uh, good for him because he's been playing fantastic for me, really. And I think, you know, I want to take back, you know, uh, it was actually Upa Meccano who was actually defending Harit and Haidara came in to try to help him out, and that's when he took them out. Um, gotcha. So uh, from from our from RB Leipzig perspective, you know, it looked funny, as you, you said about Harit, because uh, his one leg got taken out, but his other leg gets, you know, he, his, slips up and looks like it falls. So Harit sold it, obviously. I mean, he did it. There was definitely contact. Um, but I thought Harry could have done a better job of acting. I thought it was a bad acting job, but uh, nonetheless, it was it should have been a penalty, I think, because there was contact, like you said. And uh, yeah, the man is on fire right now, and uh, it seems nothing is uh, the confidence level is just through the roof right now. I mean, I mean, you got to love it as well, seeing him not only take on guys, but just stepping up like that. Fifth in the scoring charts through six match days with four goals. I mean, who saw that coming at the beginning of this? No, yeah, I mean, we, I think we all hoped for a resurgent Harit this this year, but I mean the start that he's gotten off to I think just goes far beyond my wildest expectations for um the kind of play he could achieve this season or at least how quickly he could achieve it. I mean he's just been irresistible through six match days. It's 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 so much fun to watch. Yeah, and that goal was huge. Uh the whole play was huge going into halftime because you know going up in halftime just one nothing up Anything can happen still, and we saw, you know, Leipzig did have a couple flashes of brilliance where they nearly scored if it wasn't for Nubel. So, um, you know, getting that second goal, a little bit of a cushion, like you said, it, it's it's much more relieving. I mean, obviously, with the with the offense that they had, they can still get in there really quickly. But it's nice to go into halftime on the road up to nothing, and you can continue your game plan. And I think the one of the important things I heard in the game is that. You know, Wagner is always telling the guys, just believe in my tactics, just believe me, we'll, I'll get you to where you need to go. And it seems like it's finally starting to pay off now, guys are starting to get it. And as the commentator said in the game, you know, it's like, this is the exact same team we had, the exact same players for the most part that we had last year. 
it's just the confidence now they have under Wagner and the whole system. It's a, it's it's really fun to watch and. Um, you know, when you when you're up to nothing at halftime, you can continue on your on your game plan with without a hitch and keep and keep going, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, there's a couple changes to the lineup, but I mean, Serdar, Mascarell, McKinney, Bergstaller, Son. I mean, these are guys that, yeah, as you said, were a large um, presence in what was a pretty dismal campaign last season. It just goes to show you, you know, what a what maybe a, a fresh change of um, philosophy can do you know in a new personality in the locker room to freshen things up and, and get people excited again and buy into a new system um and uh the results the results speak for themselves i mean the, the performance against leipzig in this one it was convincing that's the thing it wasn't one of those games where it was like, i mean yeah obviously we, we talked about how things maybe could have gone a little bit differently but you don't walk away from this match against leipzig being like Ooh, wow, that scoreline really doesn't reflect the game. We really got away with one there. Correct. You, you walk away from this game feeling like, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty dominant shock performance against what was supposed to be the best team in the league. Um, and, it, and that just, uh, yeah, I hope the guys are taking a lot of confidence from what they just did and they can keep that going because they, they really should. Because as a fan, it gives me a ton of confidence to see a performance like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And we'll get to the tweets and comments from after the game about this. But um, you know, seeing Shaka after the game. Uh, after coming out of halftime, they continue controlling the play, and uh, 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 opportunities uh, kept coming for Schalke. You know, with the, with the hard work, um, definitely more so than Leipzig. Leipzig didn't have as many opportunities as Schalke. Schalke were creating so many opportunities for themselves. Um, in the 58th minute, uh, the lead would would grow a little. Um, Suat Serger intercepts a Werner's pass, um, who he tried to cross pitch to uh, Mukiele. Uh, he intercepts it. He feeds it to Harit in his own end. Harit goes on a run down the pitch. I mean, it, it ends up being a three-on-two. He had Bergy on his right, Matondo on his left. Um, he starts leaning towards the right, uh, drawing both Upamecano and Orban to closer to Bergstaller. Uh, he ends up feeding it to Matondo. Matondo with a cheeky little right, with the right side of his foot, a little flick past Gulashi. He makes it 3 nothing. I mean, at that point, you're thinking, holy, what the heck is, what game am I watching? We're up 3 nothing against the number one team in the league uh, in, in, in convincing fashion. What a goal by Matondo for his first goal in the league. You love to see a striker staying onside. You really do. <laughs> I mean, hello, he Brooksteller. Yeah, he did. I mean, that play, despite being, you know, a pretty quick counter. Actually, when you got kind of closer to the box, it took a long time for that final ball to come in from Harit. And Matondo had a number of opportunities to slip offside there, but he was staring down that line yes. the entire way. And yes. You could see multiple times he kind of like checked himself to hold his run. Did a very good job waiting for that. And, you know, with the way Harit's been playing, as, as a defender, you have to respect him. And so they can't totally sell out and cover that pass to Matondo. And once that ball came in from Harit and slipped him through, I mean, he's going to take a couple steps with his speed and – um very calm, clever finish, as you said, with the outside of his right foot to that far post, just kind of like, you know, touching it past Gulashi. Um, I mean, that that finish doesn't look like the finish of a kid as young as Matondo with as few match minutes as Matondo, yeah. with as few goals to his name as Matondo. I mean, he looked like that was just a routine run-of-the-mill goal for him, like he's been doing that all season or all year or something like that, and they, which hasn't been the case. But um, brilliant for him. I mean, I... Yeah, one, I, I can't imagine how much confidence he's got to get from a performance like that. Coach gives him an opportunity um, for him to come in, especially in this game. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Wagner was like, yeah, go out, go out and play against Paderborn. He's like, no, you're going to go play. You're going to get the start against Leipzig on the road, and and you deserve it, and you're going to do it well because I believe that you can execute the game plan that I have in front of you. And uh, for him to get the goal reward from that was 
fantastic and hope that's hopefully that's just like the, the first of many for him in a shout has he did he, he didn't score last year did he I don't know. This is the first goal, I think, in the yeah, Bundesliga period. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that hopefully it's the first of many for him. And uh, you wouldn't bet against it based on that initial performance from him right there. It was, it was great. Dare I say we have a new striker? <laughs> uh, the, uh, this was probably um, – this is probably the best striker performance from a start of a game by any striker on the team this season. Um, he just played very well from the beginning to end. I thought he played, what, 85 minutes or whatever it is. Um, he did very well, and like I said, the finish was cool and calm. We saw some other good performances from non-starters, but you know we're not going to get into that just yet. Um, <laughs> um, I think Shaka, you know, they would after they go up three nothing. Obviously, they would continue to control the rest of the match. Uh, Shaka looked more uh, more likely to score another goal. They kept pushing, going pushing forward, trying to go for a fourth goal. Uh, Bergstaller had a header that was saved by Gulashi point blank. Great, great shot by Bergstaller, but even better save by Gulashi. Um, not too much. La- not too much later. Um, another close up of McKenney with a header, uh, with a pass from Caligiri. Uh So I say Caligiri because we did have some substitutions in this game. Caligiri would come on for Hari in the 69th minute. Um, Ozan Kabak would come on for Mascarell in the 82nd, and Alessandro Schoff would come on for Matondo in the 85th. Um, so Matondo, uh, he ended up having a goal, four shots, and three actually were on target. So like I said, best striker performance from the start of the season. Um, but yeah, uh, Caligiri coming in, in into this game for Harit, and he kind of this is probably his best performance of the season too. And, and you know, he might be better suited coming from the bench now. I mean, this is the best he looked, more confidence he's looked. Um, maybe it helps being up three nothing and the team is on the ropes like Leipzig is. But um, I, he came in right away in the game. He started making up plays offensively. He found that pass to to McKenny. I think he may have even set up the one for Burksaller. I could I could be wrong with that, but um, yeah. Uh, Shaka kept pushing forward. They nearly had a fourth. I thought they were going to get a fourth, Jack, uh, the way they were pressing it after that third goal. So it'll be interesting to see what Caligiri's role is going forward because I, I don't know if Wagner is going to stick with the system that he used in this match, which, like I said, may have just been a game plan thing against Leipzig to go with that diamond. Um, it, you know, because Caligiri, at least this season, because of John Kenny, has been more of a winger sort of, um, or at least, I guess, in theory. <laughs> right. He hasn't played in that way exactly. But um, and, and as I said earlier, like this is this is a formation that or a system that he, that he employed that has, you know, Serdar and McKinney as your wide midfielders, which are not typically players that you would associate, you know, in, in wide areas bombing on or anything like that. It was, it was um, so if, if, he, if he sticks with that, I, I don't know if you're going to play Caligiri where you're playing Weston McKinney in this game, right? You know what I mean? Um, because that's not really the way the system was operating for a player of Calgary's skill set to be super effective there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what his role is going forward. Maybe he will kind of take up a, uh, a substitutes role for a while here. Uh, you can't really argue against it based on what some of his performances were early in the season, um, as, as a starter. Uh, but maybe this will, uh, help him out and, you know, coming in with fresh legs later in games, will be a little bit more effective than he had been. Yeah, and you know, Schalke. To their credit, they've been playing really well, especially without this uh, in this game, especially without Caligiri in the starting lineup. And overall, as we as we mentioned at the beginning of this game, they they just stifled Leipzig. Leipzig really didn't have many opportunities in this game. I mean, they probably had a handful of opportunities left in, in the in the remainder of the game. Hostenberg had a, a a long shot that ended up hitting the crossbar or second of the game for Leipzig, uh, around the 66 or so. 
Uh, Haidar on the 79th had a nice shot that was saved by Nubel. Uh, and then in the 83rd, uh, they would get a consolation goal from uh, Emil Forsberg, but really, I'm going to chalk it up as an error by by Nubel. I think Nubel um, was too nonchalant in that play, and I think, uh, I guess he just maybe thought he's like, oh, I got this, and then just lost track of it real quick. And I think that was the reason he scored, because it was a shot right to right to him, and it wasn't like it was a great shot by, by Forsberg. Maybe he's caught off guard by the decision to shoot from that far out in that moment. And obviously it was hit with a lot of venom, but end of the day, it's that's a really bad mistake from Newell. Uh, hits him right in the hands, and he lets it squirt into the net. Uh, and it's unfortunate because he had a, he had an excellent game prior to that, so it really just kind of cheapened his performance overall, which is unfortunate because he he I think he deserved to for the most part walk away from that one, um, looking and, and feeling good about w- what he did in that match, and it, you know ultimately it's going to be marred by that mistake, but. Uh, you know, I mean, still a two goal cushion at that point, and and that's the way the match ultimately ends is that three one scoreline. And uh, I mean, if that's the goal you can see to Leipzig on a mistake like that, you feel pretty good about the way you played. Absolutely. I mean, really, the scoreline. You know, sometimes you can say, "Oh, that scoreline was too, uh, flattering, flattering for us, and we really shouldn't deserve it." Really, that was flattering for Leipzig because it should have been a three nothing, maybe four nothing game. Um, Nubel for me was man of the match. I don't know who was your man of the match, but I thought Nubel with all the big saves he had in the game, that double save early in the first half was really a game changer for me. Uh, the team ended started taking off after that. So other than this one little little hiccup that he had, I thought he had an excellent game. Yeah, I, I can't give him the man of the match just because of that mistake. But uh, bastard, I, I think I think Sane gets a shout. I right think Harit Harit once again yep. another another game with a goal and an assist. Um, four goals, two assists on the season, you know, just at, at the center of almost all good things that we do this season so far. Uh, Matano deserves a shout, but then also, you know, Mascarell, Serdar, and McKinney all played really well. And I haven't talked enough about Serdar, and I want to shout him out real quick because, um, you know, I talked about McKinney's pressing a little bit. I mean, Serdar was equally as as effective in the pressing game early. Yeah, he um, was. Working on Mugiele uh, down that uh, Leipzig right-hand side. Um, and then also, I mean, it, it's really easy to focus on Harit in terms of what he's capable of doing with the ball at his feet in, t- in getting by people on the dribble. Serdar's progressive runs, the dribbling that he's made that he's done this season, has been phenomenal. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it, like, like I said, it, it's easy for Harit to steal the shine, but I mean, it, for anyone who's paying attention, Serdar has been excellent on the ball, um, taking people on and, and winning winning those takeons. Um, and if he can keep that going. That's just, that's it. Just adds another dimension to it because it's not just Tariq that you have to worry about in there. It's like it's like you almost can't get too close to any of these guys because they all have the potential to beat. You kind of have to back off, and that gives us more space to kind of connect passes and everything. It's it, it bodes really well. So I think Serdar's having an excellent season. Um, and actually, this is a good moment to shout this out. So I mean, friend of the podcast uh, Abel Mezarosh put uh, had a a piece that he wrote for Stats Bomb this week. Um, on Schalke's start to the season, uh, I mean, I, I retweeted it from my personal account. I think we retweeted it from the Schalke handle, and I think yours probably as well. So if you haven't had a chance to read that yet, 100%, 110%, absolutely go and read that. It, it's a phenomenal data breakdown um, of the kind of thing that, like, you and I are not capable of providing our audience because I was just, like, a different tactical mind. But um, and he talks about Serdar a little bit in that as well. But, I mean, it was it was evident in this match. Serdar, I mean, has been has been great. So, I mean, the, it looks like finally under under Wagner, some of the signings that 
um, were made that didn't pan out last season starting to pan out. Serdar, Mascarell, Sané, right? Like these are guys that we had been mm-hmm. a little bit disappointed mm-hmm. with overall, and they're they're finally showing you that maybe, yeah, maybe these actually were good purchases um, with the right person in charge and the right system to use them in. Yeah, it it was a brilliant read for sure, and and shout out to Abo also because he he has a new uh, son in his life, and uh, welcome to the fatherhood club. Uh, that's uh, great news for him and his and his and his family. So uh, that's great to see a double a double win for him this week this weekend. So uh, yeah, that's a great read. Absolutely, go ahead and read that. Um, uh, it, it 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 says in words what we cannot or we cannot write or we cannot speak obviously because I cannot speak English tonight. Um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful read there. So we're gonna have him on the show uh, sometime soon when he can make time with his family going with his new family going here. So um, looking forward to that. Shaka win three one. Um, brilliant performance. I mean, there's no ways around it. Uh, it was, I'm I'm ecstatic. You're obviously ecstatic. Uh, what a win and. Um, Chaka Nation was 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 not only shocked and 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 happiness, but they I mean the rest of the footballing world seemed at least in the Bundesliga seemed uh, uh, surprised by this. So uh, I'm just speechless. You have quite a uh, three horse race for manager of the season at the moment. I think between Nagelsmann, Wagner, but also Christian Strike. And Freiburg, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I, I don't know who the bigger surprise is this season: Schalke in fourth or Freiburg, Freiburg in third after six match days. Um, I, I don't think anyone saw those two teams coming in that position that early. But uh, yeah, phenomenal win for Schalke on the road. As we said, a little bit unexpected, but uh, convincing. Just, just really, really convincing it. Like, it wasn't one that you walked out of there being like, "Ah, oh, man, we really stole that." It was. <laughs> it, you walk away and you're like. We're actually a good team. That that's not the kind of performance that that you get by by lucking into. Um, I mean, th- that was that was a a well drilled team with a clear tactical plan from a manager that was evident to see, and they executed it. You know, borderline to perfection. Yep. And you got some guys that are showing up on the pitch that are that are that are difference makers with a little bit of X factor. Harit, you know, Serdar, Matondo showing flashes now. Um, it's awesome, and uh, maybe uh, I guess the one thing I would say here's here's my question for you. So that being said, as good a performance as that was, and actually, uh, Abel, who we just spoke about, has a um, a Bundesliga bulletin, like a newsletter that he puts out, which is another great read. Uh, but he he had a uh, he had his own like little like solo podcast that he put, and I, I posed this question to him too. But um, Schalke has outperformed their XG by a larger margin than any team in the Bundesliga this season so far. Mm. Still very early, but we, we've scored 13 goals through six matches, and the data I'm using here is from, from understats. So obviously, there's different XG numbers from different places, depending on how they calculate it. But um, understat has our XG at, like, 8.5. Mm. So, like, we're outperforming it through six games by, like, you know, 4.5 goals. And you would think over the course of the season that that would come back down to earth and kind of level out. And so my question for you is like, does, does that concern you at all? Like obviously Harit scored some outrageous goals that are going to be low XG, right? I mean, the, the one against Mainz in particular is not a high percentage shot that he was able to pull off. Are you concerned about that? Or are, are you confident enough with the performances that we've been putting in that we're going to find a way to 
get results even if our goal scoring comes back down to earth a little bit. We're not averaging like three goals a game or whatever it is, the last couple matches at least. You got to expect it's got to come down a little bit, right? Especially once you go through the first round of playing every team in the Bundesliga, yeah, come, coming back at the, end, at the second half of the season, everyone's going to see, already seen you and going to have a game plan. So it's going to naturally have to come back down, I think. But I'm, I'm confident in the team that the way they're playing right now and that they're only going to get better because they're just, they're just now figuring out the system of David Wagner. And I think the more that they get used to this system, the more they're going to be able to um, build and create more off of that. I mean, this is only just the beginning of of his system and, and the way the guys are playing. Once they, once they, once it becomes second nature to them, then they're going to start being creative. Harik could really start going outside the box and and, and playing really crazy and, and a slot there and getting more confidence with the ball and so on and so forth. So it's a little bit of both, right? It's got to naturally come down, you would think, because I would think, and especially when you play in a top league like, like the Bundesliga, managers will figure out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and try to exploit that. Uh, especially the the upper end ones, uh, the ones that are fighting for the European spots, um, and then again, I still have confidence in Wagner's system, and that the guys are going to get better as the season progresses. So I hope that answers it. No, it doesn't. I think I mostly agree with you. I mean, I definitely am concerned about it a little bit. I think it would be helpful and kind of make me rest a little bit easier if we start seeing goal contributions from Bergstaller. In particular, um, it'd be nice to have a striker that's actually putting in goals on a somewhat regular basis because um, as awesome as it's been to have goals pop up from various midfielders and signing people, um, I mean, pretty much any team to be successful needs their the players that are supposed to score goals, strikers, to ultimately score goals. I mean, it's, it's something to be criticized DeSanto for a lot, and I, I think Bergstaller is, is – more important than DeSanto in terms of the role he's playing in the team, but like this is kind of becoming a, a DeSanto type narrative, isn't it? To some extent, in terms of like, it yeah, is. he's working hard and he's running, you know, he's doing all these great things, but at some point he needs to chip in every now and then because he's had what like close to twenty attempts on goal so far this <laughs> season and hasn't and hasn't scored yet. So if he can start picking it up, I'll feel a little bit better about what our goal scoring is going to look like. But um, I agree with you. I think I think the system looks really good right now. It's it's fantastic to see. <laughs> a lot of continuity in the team selection week to week, but the team coming out and just from what, from the actions they're taking on the pitch, it being so apparent that they understand what they're supposed to be doing and that there is a clear tactical plan and that it's a good tactical plan. And there's so many times we've seen Schalke performances over the last season in particular, where I mean, like you, you go out, you're watching the match and you feel like no one knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know what their role is. They don't. I mean, they, they're just kind of all running around there and hoping it all kind of comes together. And I mean, you saw from the opening whistle what the plan of attack was for this team against Leipzig, and uh, that's a credit to David Wagner. Now, obviously, you know, people are going to start being able to game plan for that because they're going to see what we're doing. So I think you know, maybe we're kind of headed into a sweet spot here where the the players are finally getting really comfortable with the system, and the, the league hasn't quite figured it out how to combat it yet. Uh, maybe at the end of the closer to the end of the year, maybe the midway point, you'll see teams game plan for us a little bit more successfully. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Nagelsmann does the second time around when he faces Schalke. I'm really looking forward to that return match now at home to see how that one shakes out. But uh, yeah, over. I mean, you and I were, I think, both very pleased with the David Wagner hire. But there were some people that were a little bit skeptical of it because of the way things ultimately finished. Yeah, yeah. with Huddersfield, um, early returns through six matches are that. David Wagner is the real deal, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. And what? I, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about this because I'm, um, I'm shocked. 
Robbie Matano scoring one goal every every eighty five minutes is that not good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> and you you kind of you kind of alluded to him being you know um, a shout out for man of the match and Salih Sane and it's funny enough that uh, Robbie Matando tweeted out from Info Goal uh, that he made the Bundesliga team of the week along with Salif Sane uh, made the starting line starting eleven so uh, that that kind of goes to show that he did have a really excellent game and. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's certainly an interesting question. Um, you know, someone did bring up the point, and, and I actually want to get to a couple of the tweets here that we did receive, because one, one of them in particular was um, our good friend Abel Mazaros. He, he actually said that, uh, um, how, is the, how is the free Katuchu movement in light of Robbie Matanda's performance in this one? It, it's a good question, and it's a question that needs to be asked. Uh, so, so here's the thing. I, I don't know how I feel about it, and the reason for it is the system that we saw today is, is not the system we had been seeing. So, once again, nominally it's been like a 4-2-3-1, right? And yeah. so if you're playing with one striker, just one striker, it's a lot easier to make an argument for Katucci to be that striker over Bergstaller because of you know everything we've gone into ad nauseum on this podcast in the past. If you're going to play with a partnership, I, I, I can understand why the compliment of Matondo and Bergschaller makes a lot of sense. And we've, we've only seen that once, right? So we don't know if this is actually going to be a thing going forward or not. Um, but you know, even though Katushu obviously has a lot more pace than Bergstaller. He doesn't quite have the pace of Matondo. And it's not like you're going to take Bergstaller out and play like a Matondo Katuchu pairing because then you lose all of the great pressing work, at least in theory, a lot of it that, that supposedly is, is what's keeping Bergstaller his place at the moment. So, um, I mean, I, I still believe in the free Katuchu movement. I think it partially depends on what kind of system we're playing and what kind of shape. Uh, but mo- most of all, I, I just, I just got to give credit to Matondo for once again, as inexperienced and as young as he is, coming into as big of a match as this was and, and looking completely comfortable out there and executing the game plan and then getting his goal on the end of it. I mean, you just got to give props to him. It was eerily similar to Katucci's performance when they put him in, in the Bayern game. Was it was last year. Um, we were like, what, what's he doing in the game? And he goes out and scores a goal against Bayern. I mean, it's similar to in that respect. Um, I want, before I give you my answer, I want to read another comment that someone made on the, on the subject. Uh, it's from Eddie. It's at Dread Ruckus on Twitter. And he says... Absolutely, though it seems free Matondo worked this week. I love how the announcers are stressing his ability to stay on sides for that goal. You hear that, Bergstaller? Uh, he says, I definitely need, think they need to pair free Katuchu and Matondo next week. And so my thoughts on this are, um, first of all, Bergstaller has been playing his, his ass off the last two games in particular. I mean, all season long, he always does. But he's been playing very well the last two games, despite not getting any goals. Um I think, you know, you said that he does a good job, you know, holding up the ball, and, and it's a good compliment to Matondo. I agree with that 100%. But I think, you know, if, if you're going to play a two-striker system, you definitely need to see what Matondo can do, continue on, because he's got the pace to to push these backs. I mean, obviously, Upa Makano probably was shading more towards Burksteller because he thought he probably could catch Matondo if the ball went to him, and then he realized quickly he could not. Um, so Matondo's got tremendous speed. 
Uh, but Katuchu, I think, could probably do the pressing game that Burkseller has. Maybe not to the the grunt work like Burkseller does, but I think he could cause enough chaos, and, and he's more mobile than him, that they could probably become a decent partnership. I mean, I'd like to see it at least. I don't know if that, that'll be the case. Maybe Burkseller is going to be better for, uh, to play with Matondo, or you switch Matondo and, and Katuchu every now and then. I don't know, but... Um, it's an interesting dilemma, really, to have, especially now we're playing well. It's good to talk about this. You don't want to be, you know, zero and five and talking about this conversation, right? So I think we're, I think we're in a better spot now talking about this than we were last year. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing a Matano Katuchu pairing just to see how they look on the field because we have seen Katuchu and Bergstahl on the field at the same time, and they look good together. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we have at least a little bit of a data point to suggest that that could work. So we'll just have to see how Wagner picks the team going forward. Uh, you know, bottom line, I still believe in Katuchu's talent. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't, like, stop believing in his talent just because somebody else had a good performance suddenly. Um, and, you know, the lack of goal scoring from Bergstahler is, is, is concerning. I think it's just, as you said, it's a question of whether or not how, how much work can Katuchu put in in the pressing game because it is such a crucial part of what, David Wagner wants to do and, and what's been um, helping us succeed so far this season. So it's one of those things that's going to have to wait and see as it unfolds over the course of the season. No, that, that's a hundred percent true. And uh, I, I can't wait to see uh, how it's going to pan out. Uh, some more, some more comments and uh, from the game um, at Doug J two, he says, you know, during the game, Nubel is on fire and he was on fire, obviously during the game. Um, we got some love, uh, I guess you want to call it from the Super Byron podcast, Garrett Kerber in particular. He says he tweeted out during the game, "Okay, Shock America, I see you." When when Shock went up three nothing, um, great stuff there. Great stuff there. Your comments, Super Byron Pod. We see you as well after your seven two touchdown of Tottenham Hotspur today in the Champions League. Yikes! Yeah, you you saw our three and you raised it four. I got I got we got you we got you there. <laughs> Kudos on that one for sure. Um, speaking of some kudos, uh, the Leverkusen pod, that's the Leverkusen uh, podcast for those who don't know, definitely give them a follow. They tweeted us and they said, hey, oppressive win this weekend, guys. Hope you can uh, hope we can learn something from you guys and, and bring it this Saturday. They, this Saturday they play Leipzig them, themselves. So uh, good luck with that. Um, also looking at some of the other comments, we actually got some questions here. This, comment, this question, I should say, comes from El Waflo. He says, and we kind of just talked about this. Uh, what do you guys think of the new four-three-one-two system? I'd love to see us continue with that formation since our midfield looked very strong versus RB. Love your podcast. Greetings from Germany, Gluck Alf. Um, yeah, I mean the system that they implored in this game in particular, like you said, it was a little bit different from a little bit wrinkle uh, from what we've seen before. But I mean the the, the three-headed monster, or even four, if you want to call Mascarell in there, but you know with um, McKinney. Harit and Serder, that's something we've been clamoring to see, and then we finally see it, and they looked very good together. So I don't know what you want to call the system, you know, a diamond or a 4-3-1-2. But yeah, I, I understand why you said that. There were definitely a couple moments in the match where it, where it looked like that, particularly I think more in our own half. I think the diamond might have been a little bit when we were trying to press in, in their um, areas of the pitch more closer to midfield. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Mascarell was level with Serdar and McKinney, then it would definitely look more like a 4-3-1-2. Um, I liked it though. At least, at least I thought it worked well for this particular um, game. And you know, you can you could see it working for a lot of teams that that play back for it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, when you have 
two guys um, in a striker partnership that are willing to run. They they can press both center backs, and then you know McKenny and and, and Serdar popping out to close down the fullbacks when they receive the ball with Harit staying central behind the strikers to kind of shadow at least one of like the holding midfielders. If there's somebody in that area, um, you, you have essentially five of your guys covering five of their guys really high up the pitch. And it, it's really difficult for a lot of teams to break that first line um, uh, of pressure. And you saw like, the team as good as Leipzig struggle with it. So yeah, I, I like the system a lot. It'll be interesting to see if he, if he kind of goes with that shape more or goes back to kind of what he was doing um initially even though we saw some you know in, in different games they're kind of being two guys pressing up i mean mckenny was playing next to bergstaller at times in a previous match kind of in the matando role for a little bit so um it's definitely something we've seen hints of here and there it'll be interesting to see if he if he continues with it um or not but definitely work today and, and definitely something I'm, op- I'm open to seeing more of no yeah me too and uh i'm curious to see how we, it goes and this weekend coming up we're playing against cologne uh, so that'll be an interesting matchup. They're currently second to last in the in the Bundesliga, which is good for us. But I'm, I just hope we don't have a letdown in this one. Um, Something I want to mention just real quick. So, like, by the way, like teams try to do that to 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 Schalke as well to press both of our center backs. But what, usually, what happens when we get in that situation, what you'll see is you'll see Mascarell drop in and become part of that back line. Yes. So then it becomes a back three, which they can't cover all of those people if they're only pressing with two strikers, right? And that helps us create space and, and build out of the back. I didn't see Leipzig doing a whole lot of that in this match, but that's that's kind of how we tend to deal with it. So we, we, we talked on previous podcasts about somehow sometimes when we're building out, Mascaro will suddenly join that back line, and then it's McKinney or Serdar that are turning around and receiving that ball um, instead of Mascaro in that deep six. And uh, so, I mean, I guess that's one way for a team to try to – beat what we were doing to Leipzig on the day, but we'll have to see how that goes. It's good to see the pot that with this system, the passing that's coming out, not only, you know, on the, on the offensive third, but in the back third uh, between Hanubel and the back line and with Mascarell and even uh, the other midfielders, uh, they all, it's really quick passing, which is important to get out. Uh, but they're, they're all confident in their passes, whether it's short passes or long passes, they're, they're it's very effective and they're getting out of jams very quickly. Even when the teams do, other teams do press them, they seem to get out of the jams very quickly. When other, unless they're making a turnover, <laughs> that we've seen a couple of games. But um, overall, I've been very impressed with the passing uh, that this team is uh, has picked up throughout the games this season. I, yeah, I think it's been pretty good so far. Uh, I, I do think it would be nice if Sane was able to play more aggressive balls on the ground at times because I feel like a lot of his passes are either kind of horizontal to one of his partners or he plays kind of like a like a hoof ball or maybe like a chipped pass up the field. And he's actually been fairly accurate on those yeah. so far this season. So it hasn't been like a problem or anything, but I think that at times you could argue that he's maybe not capable of pulling off exactly the kind of stuff that Stan Bully is. Um, back there, and he, maybe he's a little bit risk averse. So if we could improve in that regard, I think that would just make us even more dangerous. But I agree on the whole that I think the start between Nubel and, and the center backs and what we're doing back there has been pretty promising. Absolutely. Um, let's go over to Facebook. We had actually some of the one of the biggest questions we got was about this new ESPN deal with the Bundesliga, and I'm gonna highlight two people in particular: uh, Glenn Williams from the Canadian uh, Schalke Facebook group. Uh, he his question was or his comment was with the news today. Your thoughts on the new ESPN deal with the Bundesliga, and you know to to follow up on that, Paul Forrester from the the Chaco fan club from USA on Facebook. Uh, he also continues with that saying, 
What will the Bundesliga deal do with ESPN uh, with our access to Schalke 04 games, Schalke games? Um, better, better or worse, or is the same as Fox Sports? Uh, will this increase in broadcasting right feeds translate into more marketing, touring, and or training of Bundesliga teams in the U.S.? Um, I'm very familiar with 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 ESPN's uh, deal with with football in general, soccer in general. Uh, what are your thoughts before I get into mine uh, about this new deal? Yeah, so maybe you're the better person to address it then. I guess what I would say is, from what I read, it didn't seem like ESPN was committing to televising that many more games than Fox has been. Because I know it's been one of the main complaints is that Fox has the rights to these games, but they're either putting them on Fox Sports 2 or they're not like putting them on at all. Like, you know, you're seeing like NASCAR and other things take precedence. So it's like, you know, they, they've spent all this money to have this product and the Bundesliga doesn't feel like they're maybe getting the airtime that they want from their broadcast partner in the U.S. Um, I mean, it did sound like all these games are going to be streamed live and available on demand. Um, so I don't think anything changes in terms of the acts that we have um, like through Fox soccer match pass right now, it should be a very similar setup. The only thing is that it's going to be significantly cheaper. You would imagine unless ESPN somehow changes the pricing structure of ESPN plus, which at the moment is like four ninety nine a month compared to like 20 for Fox soccer match pass. And you get a whole lot more with ESPN plus from a soccer perspective than you do from um, Fox soccer right now. So, I mean, I think it'll probably be a good thing overall. Um, it might be more of like a lateral move than like that much more of an, a, a, a huge positive, but um, it should be cheaper to watch Schalke games, at least for those of us in the U.S. that listen to this podcast, um, and uh, should be similar access. So I, I'm I'm fairly pleased with it. Twenty bucks? What are you? I'm paying one hundred fifty dollars a month. What are you? What are you? Or maybe it's for the year. You know what? That's I'm for, for the, the year. year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're not paying one hundred fifty dollars a month. Yeah, that, that, would, that if you're that'd dead. be stupid by me. Anyway, um, okay. So I've had experience because I've been watching. I've been using ESPN. Uh, or ESPN to watch, you know, uh, uh, not only Syria but also some of these um, uh, League Cup games from different, also the Amsterdam or Netherlands League, uh, Eredivisie. So, um, yeah, it's five dollars a month, right? Um, they're not. It's kind of like the, the like Fox Soccer in the sense that they only put so many games on ESPN, but they have ESPN has more channels. They have ESPN, ESPN Two, ESPN U, ESPN U, um, ESPN News as well. And then when they don't show that, they're going to show the games on ESPN Plus online. So that's similar in a, in a sense like Fox Soccer. Um, but uh, what what I like about it is a you know, a it's five dollars a game or five dollars a month, which is an awesome price. Um, you can watch the games anytime after the fact, with kind of like like Fox Soccer. So it's a, it's a wash there. Um, overall, it's not going to be much different than what you see in Fox Soccer, other than the price. Um, you know, I like it a lot. What they can, what they're doing right now. They they have the, the they'll show you the highlights and stuff like that. Uh, that means obviously more coverage on ESPN for for the Bundesliga as well, which would be good because uh, it'll gain more traction. I think ultimately it'll be a good thing to have um, the U.S. viewers. More more people are going to have ESPN than they're going to have than they're going to have Fox Soccer. It's just going to be the hardcore fans are going to buy the Fox Soccer match pass. Um, everyone's going to buy ESPN, so people are going to start tuning in. Like, oh, what is this? If you know if Schalke, Schalke, or whomever starts getting more more play on you know Sports Center, they're going to start paying attention more. Hey, let's see what Schalke did this week, um, or whatever. So I think they're going to get more fans that way. It's going to it's going to increase the revenue. Um, obviously, when when you have good performances on the pitch, that's going to help sell stuff, right? I mean, Syria. I think the reason ESPN wanted Syria is because they got Ronaldo over there, and he's helped marketing that. So. Um, Bundesliga needs to continue, you know, building their product. Having Bayern put up a touchdown against Tottenham helps as well. 
um, from the Champions League. So uh, overall, I think this is a great deal for for not only the Bundesliga, but I think for at least the American viewers who get to watch. It. I don't know. I can't comment on on Canada. They may have to uh, Dazen or D A Z N the zone. Um, so uh, I like it. And I think it's going to do good things for Bundesliga. It's going to be, uh, as kind of Paul Forrester mentioned, is you know it'll bring in more teams to tour in the U.S. Hopefully, we can see Schalke in the U.S. and um, it'll it'll help build the American youngsters. The youngsters are going to start watching. Now, now do we have a great American contingent in Schalke? But they're they're starting to be all over all over Europe. And if we can get start getting Bundesliga fans in America, that'd be even awesome. Couldn't have said it better. All righty. Uh, let's see. I think there was. One more comment I want to get to. It's David Thielen on Facebook. He says, I wonder why Schalke is so focused on China. If it's a sporting decision, I think the U.S. represents far greater potential as I haven't seen one Chinese player make it big in Europe. Uh, if it's a business decision, though, maybe Herr Jobst understands more of what China offers than, than what, uh, what he does. Um, I think the reason that Schalke is over in China is because it's supposed to be this, you know, uh, the president over there, the prime minister, whatever you want to call him, uh, Xi Jinping, um, he's trying to, he's made this effort to try to grow football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, in China. They're pouring billions of dollars into there. Obviously, you're seeing them buying um, all these superstars and trying to get them to over there. And they're also getting like Sandra Wagner over there. He's not a superstar, but they're paying guys big money to go play over there. Um, and so I think they, I think Schalke is just trying to get, uh, build youth development over there, like kind of like they're doing around the world, and and see if they can, if there is talent, maybe try to snuff it out and beat their opponents. It's not the Schalke over there; it's it's a bunch of uh, top end Bundesliga clubs that are there, probably the top six, uh, if you include Schalke in there, that are over there right now, and it, it's a it's a marker right now. But I'm kind of I kind of understand why he doesn't think China is a great hit right now, and because they haven't really been developing anything yet. It's going to be a process for them, but. Um, obviously, as greedy, being a greedy, greedy American like I am, I think it would be better, better for them to be over here, which they are. But you know, spending more more money over them on the money on, on our side, state side, would probably benefit us at least with the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I don't think it's an either or proposition, right? I mean, you can go to yeah. both, and and Schalke have done that. Yeah. at times. Um, I mean, unless you're involved in the International Champions Cup, where like you're over here for a couple weeks consistently in the states. I mean, you have the opportunity to go multiple places in the summer. And throughout the year, um, and, and yeah, it, I can't imagine it's it's anywhere near as much of a talent mining operation as it is purely financial. I mean, China and the U.S. I think are viewed by a lot. It's not just Schalke; it's 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 everybody are, are viewed as the two largest untapped or you know not completely untapped, but potential growth opportunities to you know to grow a fan base. Um, there's such a hunger for the pro the European product at the moment in those countries. Um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense financially for the club um, to 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 invest in, in trips over there and try to gain some support. So, um, like I said, I don't think it has to be an either war proposition. And I think any club that's that's smart and cares about those things is isn't going to just focus on one. They're going to focus on as many as they can. I mean, like, and once again, it's not just Schalke. I mean, there's so many big clubs I've been doing. I mean, man, you've been going to China and other places for. I mean, like, it, it, it's a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, if somehow they get some, they find talent from there, which once again, I don't think that's really the reason they're over there. I think they're over there for financial reasons. Maybe they, yeah. maybe, maybe they're able to put down some some youth development roots in China or something like that, and and get a talent pipeline going or something. But um, you know, mostly it's just an opportunity to help grow the brand. Um, 
And Richard, that's what you and I are all about in the first place, man. That's right. Bring in the gospel of Schalke to uh, predominantly the American audience. So there you go. That's right. Maybe we should start tapping into China too and get and expand the audience there. <laughs> Welcome um, to the Schalke China podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap these numbers around your head real quick. Uh, in China, they have an average of 300 million viewers of watching soccer or football every week. That's that's the that's the number of the U.S. population, and then. 250, 250 million people in China call football, soccer, their number one sport that they watch. Which is not the case in the United States. It is not the case in the U.S. So that's probably why probably why they got, they're got so focused in China. But um, like you said, they shouldn't be splitting things up. They should just go for both, and why not? As long as you're not losing money or hurting you in the, in the long run, why not spread the joy and, and try to try to you know get your hands in as many pots as possible, I guess. So. Uh, we need oh. that money for the transfer budget, my man. Mo money, mo problem. We're not getting money from the Champions League, so we need to get the money from somewhere else, right? Thank you, China. Thank you, China. <laughs> um, any thoughts on, on Cologne before we wrap this one up? Coming up on this Saturday? I mean... A possibility for a letdown game? First of all, good to have them back in the Bundesliga. Yes, yes. Uh, although, recent seasons, been a little bit of a bogey team for us. We've said that before. Yeah. So, you know, we got the top spiel on Saturday, 11.30 Central Time, 12.30 Eastern uh, kickoff for that one. Uh, I mean, Colm not having a good season either. What are they, 16th? No, I think they're 17th. 17th. So they're right down there with, you know, Mainz, Paderborn, Union Berlin. You, you would really hope that we'd be capable of uh, keeping this win streak going against uh cologne particularly because i think this game is at home right uh yes it is at home there you go so i would predict that we keep things rolling but you never know they have actually given freiburg one of their few losses this year maybe their only loss of this year which is a little bit little bit that drives your interest but then they've been on a three-game losing streak since and the last two games they've lost four nothing to bayern and then four nothing to hertha who was, was bottom of the table so uh yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean Union Berlin beat Dortmund. So I mean, amen to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean any team any given day, yeah, right? <laughs> any team any given day is capable of pulling off a result um against a bigger club. That's part of what makes football worth watching, I think. In general, it's just that, you know, anything can happen even if you're having a bad season, you never know. I mean, like Schalke, Schalke versus Dortmund second half last season. Hmm. Trying to fight off relegation and we go and on the road and get a 4-2 result against our biggest rival to potentially steal the title from them and, and, and help us put a little cushion between the bottom of the table. You never know. So, I mean, you got to show up. you got to take each match seriously. Um, as you said, if, if the result that Cole got, the win, was against Freiburg, I mean, that's a very informed Freiburg team at the moment, so it certainly shows you that on their day they have, you know, they have that in them. But, yeah. um, I mean, they, they just lost 4-0 to Hertha, who have not been good this season for the most part. So... Let's hopefully we keep things going. I would be very disappointed if we didn't. Uh, I'm going to go three nothing Schalke. Uh, I'm going to go seven two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to go two one Schalke. Okay, uh, I almost asked you there, but good. I'm glad you recovered there. All right. Um, 
some some news bits real quick before we leave. Really quick, uh, Shaka, you know, we want to give credit to or give a shout out to the, the um, Shaka US was in Atlanta this past weekend against for this Leipzig match. They were at the Wunderbar Pop Up Together Tour uh, at the bar. Looks like they had a lot of fun at that game. If you were out there, uh, we saw a lot of pictures from that. So if you if you were at that at the at the Wunderbar. Uh, tour there when Shaka was there you know send us your pictures we love to see them uh Shaka did post a bunch of pictures already so it looks like it was a lot of fun there a little bit too far for Jack and I to go but uh you know maybe who knows in the future maybe we can get out to Atlanta Jack um also speaking of Atlanta well kid the kick it 3v3 tournament has been in Atlanta in the past uh coming up in this October 20th they will be in Durango Colorado uh if you want to if you're in that vicinity you have until October 15th to register for that so make sure you know get out to that that kick it 3v3 tournament is a fun tournament and it's, it's a great experience for all the youngsters there uh, with a chance to go to Gelson Kirshen on that note Jack um I think uh we're gonna wrap this one up uh keep tuning in each week as we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues we want to thank Shaka, InfoGot, and Fox Soccer for, for, for providing us tidbits on our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Shaka America. We want to give a special shout-out, Jack, to our very friends, good friends, I should say, NBC4 Nashville. Of course. Of course. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Excellent. Give him a follow. I'm sure you're already following him, so maybe give me a follow. You know, okay, so here's the thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. Not, I mean, this podcast has already gone way too long, but I just got to bring this up. So the Shalk America Twitter has 557 followers. Jack Mangan's Twitter has 382. What gives? <laughs> Come on. I, I should have I should have closer to the same number of followers as the Shalk. Come on, let, let's make it happen. Let's boost my numbers. Come on, guys. Let's go. Oh, how make, about this? I got. Make me feel good about myself. I have over a thousand followers, and why are more more of my followers following the Shock America podcast? That's what I want to know. <laughs> hey, there you go. It works both ways, I guess. It does work both ways. Uh, once again, I am your host, Richard Carman. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at r underscore k h a r m a n. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Shoes.